is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing one of Josh's picks. So, Josh, why don't you tell us what you picked and why on earth you picked it? Well, we are reviewing X-Men Mutant Genesis Volume 1. Uh, I don't know if there's a Volume 2. Is it just Mutant Genesis? Uh, there's more volumes after this, I think. But I don't yes. think they gave it a Volume 1 number. Gotcha. I wasn't sure on that one. So, anyways, the reason we're talking about X-Men today is... Uh, was a huge fan of the X-Men cartoon back in the day, and this was from that era, and those are the suits. And uh, once I started reading this, I realized I had read this when I was younger. It brought back some memories once I had read it. I didn't, I, I didn't remember reading it. So, uh, yeah, just uh, so nostalgic. I kept uh, humming the X-Men theme song from the cartoon <laughs> in my head <laughs> the whole time I was reading it. I couldn't think of anything else, especially when I saw uh, Professor X in a little yellow hover around. I was like, oh, that's that was it. So, uh, yeah, it was more of a nostalgia trip than it was anything. Uh, but that's why, I'd, yeah, it's, it's good. It's X-Men. I don't, I don't think it needs a more reason than that. That's a good defense. Uh, 90s X-Men, especially for like, the three of us, that was right in our wheelhouse. Uh, yeah, we watched that cartoon a lot. And I think they base a lot of the cartoon on this era of the X-Men comics. And so, yeah. But you're right. Like, all of the outfits, even like Rogue's crazy you know, bomber jacket, whatever she's wearing, yeah. that's on the cartoon. Oh, yeah. I kept picturing their, uh, I had their voices in my head too. The uh, voice actors <laughs> that were doing it, like Rogue's voice especially. She had a, a really country accent. Probably, I guess yeah. it sounds like us. But uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was hearing all the accents. And, yeah. Uh, it was good. All right. Well, um, it's time for our live action Batman grades. And uh, apparently we're struggling this evening um, based on our pre-show discussions. So, um, Sam, what's your live action Batman grade? You're right. We were struggling. I struggled because I have such a love for this X-Men. I had a hard time giving her a grade. So, for a whole of what we read, I gave it a Keaton Plus. We'll go into it farther. All right. Um I'm in the same range. It's just a solid Keaton. Um, yeah. There's problems. <laughs> it's deeply flawed, um, but it's better than I remember. I remember this being sort of a bad era of X-Men comics. And so it's better than I remembered. So it, it's a solid Keaton. Josh? Cool. I don't feel so bad. I thought for sure I was going to get run out of the place when I told you my score, <laughs> but I'm West plus Keaton minus. I'm in that range. I'm going to go with the Keaton minus, though, right. uh, just to keep it on the uh, plus side of the scale. So Adam Keaton. Adam Keaton. Yeah. <laughs> Michael oh, West. Not Michael yeah. West. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So that is all you're getting um, non-spoiler wise. And so it's a Pretty positive recommendation there. Um, Josh, a little on the negative side, um, but uh, but if you want to get into more of the nitty-gritty with us, uh, stick around after the uh, spoiler clacks in here, and we'll go full spoilers. All right, so the creator credits. Um, this is a mess. I, I lost track of who all did what and how many people were involved. Um, but for the first three issues, the writer was Chris Claremont. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, kind of. Uh, the penciler was Jim Lee. Inker was Scott Williams. Letter was Tom Orzachowski. 
Sorry, Tom, I butchered your name. Colorist was Joe Roses. Um, now, if you'll notice in each of those first three issues, they sort of tinker with how they describe what Claremont and Lee are doing. I think at one point they say that Chris uh, Claremont's doing scripts and Jim Lee is doing the plots. Yeah. And then other times it says they're co-plotters. And so uh, I think it's safe to say that Jim Lee was just doing the whole thing and sending it to Chris Claremont. He was filling in the word bubbles. Um, I think that's pretty much what was going on there. Well, you can definitely tell there's a, a difference between one and three than the rest. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I think Chris had a little bit more than that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on issues four through seven, because this is a seven issue trade. It's a little bit bigger than modern trades are. Uh, I think Marvel has some kind of like set in stone law that <laughs> everything is five issues. All of your stories have to be five issues long. No more noise. Um, but yes, this one's seven and um, it gets wild. Uh, Jim Lee writes and pencils or plots and writes to some extent. Jim Lee's the guy with the behind the stories, penciling and thinking it up. Um, but his different scripters and different co-plotters that come on. So John Byrne, I think, does four and five. And I think Scott Lobdell does six and seven. And then I think it's just a round robin of inkers and colorists. I don't think it's consistent at all with those. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's because Jim Lee was, fam- during this era, was famously late turning in his work. And so I'm guessing they were just grabbing whoever they could find to finish it up real fast and get it ready. Um, so those are the creator credits. And some of those names will be referred to again, I'm sure, when we get into the pyramid. Um, we'll get into some of that strangeness, some of the strangeness of how this thing got assembled. Yes. Okay. Uh, here's the summary. Um, I was only half joking last time when I said this. That might be the last one we did. This might be the last one we do. Um, <laughs> I'm leaning more toward this being nothing we don't do anymore well, I, I didn't even read it so I'm, I'm anxious to see what it's like well here we go here's the comicsology summary the mutant terrorist magneto again threatens the world and only the x-men can stop him and should they survive this confrontation the villainous omega red is waiting in the wings that's it nailed it <laughs> yeah no <laughs> So I will say I was grinning really big when we played our spoiler because this thing's 29 years old. I don't know if it needs a spoiler warning. I think they could have gave us a better summary than this. Like, you don't want to spoil the surprise. It's been 30 years. They could have gave us a little bit of story. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, so, they at least had Magneto and Omega Red. Yeah, they had the, that's, that's they, the two big plot points. That's it. Like, here's who they fight. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And so uh, just let's r- real quickly um, on one through three, uh, they're basically doing a swan song to Chris Claremont. And so Claremont had been doing this big buildup. And I think it's why he quit X-Men because he had been doing this big redemptive arc for Magneto. Yeah. He, he was turning Magneto into the hero. And so he had phased out Professor X and Magneto was running the X-Men, was running the Institute. And so I think that whole story is basically like let, Jim Lee wanted Magneto to be a bad guy again. And so everything that happens in that part of the story is just to make Magneto bad again. Yeah. Um, and so he he's on Asteroid M. The Acolytes come. Um, convince him? Recruit him? I'm not sure exactly what they do. Coerce him? Coerce him, yeah. Persuade. Yeah. Persuade. Manipulate, even. Yeah, uh, but yeah. they get Magneto back off of his asteroid and back into world events. Um, and then... Uh, so Russia gets involved, right? And... Yeah. And Shield, 
because S4DM is for some reason hovering over Russia. That seems like maybe not the best idea during the Cold right. War. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, because Magneto goes and gets uh, some nukes from a submarine he crushed. <laughs> so he's hovering over Russia, Russia with some nuclear bombs. <laughs> so, <laughs> not, not goat the lily there. He's just asking for some stuff to happen. That, that's why he's hovering her, just in case he needed that. Yeah. You know where they were. Uh, and so with all that, so the acolytes go to Genosha and start a fight. And then, um, so Magneto has to come and rescue his new sidekicks. The X-Men get involved to stop the Magneto protocols, which Russia, the American president, who they don't name, but they allude to being, to being George H.W. Bush because they make a joke about, um, so was it, wasn't it like a read my lips? Wasn't there some joke about that? I forget now. I think so. Yeah. So like, I, I was pretty sure there was a George H.W. Bush joke in there. Yeah. Um, so it kind of really settles it in the time frame, but, and then, so, and then S.H.I.E.L.D.'s involved, but S.H.I.E.L.D. is like, kind of like not playing fair with everybody, right? They're trying to get the X-Men involved on the sly. Yeah. They're trying to get the X-Men stopped before the, the Magneto protocol happens. Yeah. And there's a very, uh, different Nick Fury than we're used to seeing in the MCU. <laughs> it's because... The that guy had some ammo belts and some tactical <laughs> pouches like you wouldn't believe. He made Deadpool look like he was unprepared. He had so many pouches. I thought he was in Cable's closet. <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> it was yeah. good stuff. Yeah, and so they end up uh, going to Asteroid M, and they all punch each other a lot. And then Magneto dies? No. I did quotation marks on that. I don't think he yeah. was supposed to, I don't think we were supposed to think he died. Yeah. Um, but it was, I think they were just letting Chris Claremont, you know, end his era. Um, I can and, see then, that. and then Omega Red shows up, and, and then Wolverine has weird fever dreams, and they punch each other a lot. Yeah, there's a lot in that one. <laughs> so much, man. I still had a good time with that part of the story. Yeah. But we're going to have to get into that. It was a kind of a mess. And if you want, I'll tack on to that if you want to lead right into the story part of our pyramid. Or do you want to Oh go ahead, yeah, I'm we're done summarizing this thing. It's kind of it's I, you can't you can't summarize the Omega Red story arc. So Josh, go first on the story. All right. So we're talking about the uh Omega Red portion. Who's Mojo and why was there <laughs> ten pages of Mojo? I have no idea. I thought that was an ad. I thought they were doing like a two page preview of a new comic that was coming out. So I like skipped ahead and I'm like, wait a second. I think this is just part of the issue. I got so confused <laughs> on why Mojo was in there, who Mojo is. I, yeah. I was lost. They've done that several times. Like in the last four issues, Mojo kept having flashes like a page here, a page yeah. there. And Mojo in the, in the cartoon had a big thing in Mojo World where they've done <laughs> the thing. So and I have no idea why he was in there. <laughs> None. He had no relevance to the yeah. at all. It's like a completely <laughs> sad story. It was a clumsy Claremont impression um, because Claremont was really famous for having these little one-off panels or pages where he like kind of lays in little like teasers for like next for like more story stuff down the road. Mm. But Claremont did it artfully. Um, Jim Lee at this point in his career is an artist sort of fumbling his way toward being a writer. Um, I think Jim Lee becomes a pretty good writer. Um, never, never on Claremont's level, but he becomes, you know, a competent writer at this point. He's just clumsy. And it feels clumsy. Oh, yeah. It for sure did. Uh, but for my main story notes, what I wanted to bring up, and Jamie, you, you 
you basically said what I'm getting ready to say now a while ago, that Marvel does five issue volumes. We should not have had the Magneto stuff and the Omega Red stuff in one volume. If we had just cut the Magneto stuff out, we had five issues of Omega Red, and that would have worked. It felt like there was just two unrelated stories, like they had nothing to do with each other. You could have dropped those first couple issues off. I think it would have worked better. Uh, I think it worked better if they dropped off the last four and just had the Magneto. The, whichever first. way you want to do it, but it was two non-related story like they had absolutely nothing to do with each other i don't think uh so it really it was it just kept going and going i kept reading this thing thinking man i got to be getting close to the end and i just kept reading and there was just more and there's so much dialogue this thing took forever to read so much dialogue it's it like a 120 page graph i mean a regular novel to read Hell yeah yeah, yeah uh, it, it it's definitely from a different era yeah yeah it really is uh and it's, it's hard to follow. It kind of bounces around a little bit. Uh, like you said, Fever Dreams with Wolverine. I didn't know there was flashbacks. Like, I didn't catch at first that those were flashbacks. Everything's kind of tinted a little bit yellow. And then I realized, oh, that's Logan in a helmet. That's him when he was in the military. So, like, I didn't catch that at first. I thought that was just a military group that was eva- evacuating the building they were in. Uh, so it just it wasn't put together well. It was hard to follow. Uh, the Mojo stuff added in just threw me even more for a loop. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I started the sixth is- issue. I was like, I'm just going to try to hammer this thing out and finish reading it. Like I had lost interest in the story. I wasn't following along. I was like, All right, I just let's just get through this thing. Uh, that's that's where I was at with it. So the story was really what brought it down really low for me. It's just it was too much. It was hard to follow. And then. Uh, I'll quit talking here. I got one question, though. Uh, it's a two-part question. One, does Magneto's powers, were they different in the 90s, that he was able to contain an atmosphere around an asteroid? I don't understand how he was able to have an atmosphere up there. Second part of that question. Magnetism! Why did, why did he have a swimming pool? He had an Olympic-sized swimming pool on an <laughs> asteroid that he was able to somehow keep. Uh, he was retiring in luxury. Yeah, because uh, he can't. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I just, yeah, I got confused on how his magnetism kept oxygen and <laughs> nitrogen if, and stuff. If you want to see wonky Magneto powers, go back and read Stan Lee X-Men books. Magnetism can do anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this is dialed back from what it can do. <laughs> back in the uh, day, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought that was a little goofy. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I feel the same way about the um, the second story. Now, if they were doing this today, they wouldn't. They wouldn't release this this way. They would put out those first three issues as one trait and like tack on like the first appearance of Magneto as like an extra like, like backup issues in the back to to fill it out. But yeah. they wouldn't pack these two stories together. They don't. Um, need yeah, I like the first three issues story arc um, because I know he's super wordy and you know it's it's a little much sometimes. I like Claremont's writing. Uh, I like the way he tells the story, but uh, I didn't enjoy the Moira angle of the story. Where she had done experiments on Magneto when he was, which that's a crazy story. We got turned into a baby, and then like yeah. some alien guy made him an adult again. It was wonky. Um, <laughs> things got weird in the eighties, um, but but I did enjoy the first three issues. I still had a good time with the Omega Red story. I think I enjoyed it more than you did, Josh. Yeah. But it was a mess. And was I supposed to know who Maverick was? I yeah. didn't know who that guy was or what his angle was. I didn't figure out he was like working for Germany until like. I think the last issue. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was just assume that was stuff I didn't know about. <laughs> so much of the X-Men world I'm not familiar with that much. So I was like, oh, okay. I just roll with a lot of that stuff. I'm like, there's a lot of references I don't get. So I just roll with it. So I didn't even, yeah, I thought everybody knew who Maverick was. Well, I, I've read so much X-Men and before and after this timeline. I knew who all the characters were. I knew who Maverick was. I mean, they, they actually put out a few novels that I've got of those, of like Weapon X and stuff. So I, I knew a lot about that team, the CIA team. So I knew who Maverick was, but you, you'd right. have to read more than just this trade to get who Maverick is. No, but he, he's a he's a Jim Lee creation, right? Yes. Like he's from okay. I, I yeah, he didn't feel like a, a Claremont character. He felt like you know this yes. is if Jim Lee didn't make him, then Rob Liefeld, Rob Liefeld had to. Yeah. <laughs> One of those it's, two guys had to create this dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I I did want to say like the first three issues, as much as I enjoyed them, I could really feel like a pull and tug between Claremont and Lee, like. Like, Lee was plotting things that Claremont didn't want to have to, like, write about. Like, he didn't want them to happen. Yeah. And you could kind of feel that in the dialogue and the descriptions and stuff. And that, that was kind of, you know, you know, you just kind of got the vibe that the guy who was writing the words on top of the art wasn't thrilled with what was going on. And that's probably not what you want to have in your stories, especially when you're relaunching the X-Men. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there, there was a reluctance to Magneto. Like, he felt like he didn't want to go down the path he was going. Yeah. But, but all uh, yeah. But sometimes the, the art didn't match that. Mm-mm. Yeah, you can clear uh, clearly like Claremont was re- didn't want this to happen by Nito. Like he he wanted his redemptive story to go on, but now Jim Lee was forcing it to go the other direction, and he was still getting paid to be the writer. So he yeah. had to feel them word balloons. Uh, so what did y'all think of the upstarts part of the story? Was that clear at all? Not not at all. That's that's in my notes too. <laughs> And I've read a lot of X-Men, and I didn't know who they were. I thought that was like Wolverine's clone at first, because that guy, I thought was little Wolverine. He's got his hair. Yeah. So, yeah, I had yeah, no well, idea about that. That was not explained at all. I know from other stuff I've read about the upstarts. There's this group of younger, like, super villains that want to replace their parents and stuff. It's like the opposite version of the Runaways. Yeah, I got um, you. And, um, but they, like, have these big contests where they compete to see who can be the most villainous. And this was apparently part of some contest that we didn't know much about, and Jim Lee didn't feel like we needed to understand. Because um, they just start doing stuff, and we don't know what the deal is. We don't know what they're gambling on, like what the goal is. We don't learn any of that. They just are there. Yeah. Wearing horrified, horrifying outfits. Um, <laughs> 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 all of them. All of them are wearing absolutely insane wardrobe. But, mm-hmm. um, that, the flashback thing with Wolverine, you missed that, Josh. That's the worst. I mean, that is so unclear what's going on, like what the goal is. I think Jim Lee, in issue, between issues five and six, changed his mind on what the goal of them were. Because mm-hmm. then it's like, because before he was like torturing him to make him like relive things for Omega Red. And then suddenly it's like, no, no, no. They're looking for secrets where they put that C synthesizer thing. Yep. So I, I think they changed the story midstream on what yeah, the goal changed, of it all was. Yeah, they even changed Omega Red for it to make it fit too. That he yeah. needed that to survive. And that wasn't ever mentioned before. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of not good. <laughs> it's not good writing. I, I like that the little C synthesizer they needed was like a, a palm size device that was going to keep Omega Red alive. Like, I don't know what that <laughs> thing does, but it's a lot of power in a small package there. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have much positive to say. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, not on story. I, I I enjoy the way Claremont writes. I get I get a kick out of his writing. 
And so I still I enjoyed the first three issues. I like the sort of the, the doomed anti-hero, you know, antagonist guy that Magneto is. I, I enjoy that, but that's not the strong point of this graphic novel. This is not that's not why this thing got a Keaton for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's not in story. Yeah. Uh, I think we're done. Are we gonna move on to move on to art, guys? Do you have anything to add on story, Sam? I I only thing I had on story was I mean I've got a lot of notes, but the biggest thing is like like Jamie said issue one through three if that was all it was i would have given it way more than a keaton but i did i enjoyed the magneto line but the omega red brought it down you know, like you said just same thing y'all saying omega red thing was just hard to follow just so much going on yeah and i think if even he'd had the same uh, co-writer for the whole thing like if john byrne had stayed with him the whole time of somebody who, who was a, you know a veteran writer had done the whole story with him or if it even had been lobdale who done the whole story with him? It would have helped, but like changing co-writers midstream didn't help. Um, yeah, yeah, Not, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was man. I can tell we 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 have fun making fun of this thing. No, all right. <laughs> we're all a little bummed about it because we like the X-Men so much. We're all just kind of like, man, this really wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah, we wanted to be good. I mean, I think all three of us are big X-Men fans. Really are, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Sam, tell us about the art. Jim Lee's, I think, he's probably your favorite, isn't he? Like, of all time? Yeah, yeah he really is. Yeah. I mean, that's why I base all my stuff on, like, Jim Lee. In, in this one, I think he done really good. But like we said, all the faces are similar. We even compared that one-up start guy to Wolverine. But then, <laughs> similar is a generous word. <laughs> yes. <laughs> even on one of the, the panels, it might have been a cover. When they do Wolverine's face on Megan's face <laughs> over light. <laughs> Only the different was the the costume, the hair. Like, like it, that's the same face guy. It took me like a solid ten seconds to realize that was two faces put together. <laughs> I thought it was just one face. <laughs> I was like, why is the handbag only on half the head? Yeah. Like, oh, it's two. Yeah. We're really shaved half his beard. That's all happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no. In all seriousness, this is my my favorite art. I, I do enjoy Jim Lee's art. I, I think he the action's great. It's, it's not confusing, easy to follow. Color's great. I mean, just the way he draws everything is good. Even even for the time, the clothes are wonky, but they're done well. Everything's done well. And the only thing I have, I have to say about it is, like, like, when you're looking at characters and they do, like, a real close-up on a face, you have a hard time telling who it is until somebody says their name. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't have a hard time. You can't do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Magneto, I mean Wolverine, Cyclops, uh, even Professor X. Some they all have the same face. There's yeah. little odds and ends stuff's different, but still done so well. I mean, he does that one face, awesome. Got it, <laughs> I mean, man. It's, it's he's got it. I mean, yeah. If you're good at it, stick with it, I guess. But I mean, I, I love everything about the art. Just everything he does. The sci-fi stuff's good. The, the even the '90s technology stuff was done well. I mean. I really don't have nothing bad to say about the art. I've got some nitpicks. Um, I think Jim Lee's art is always dynamic. Like he's not a yes. boring artist. There's always something interesting going on. Um, especially in the '90s, he's not quite as bad anymore as he used to be. But I hate the way he always draws women in super sexualized poses. Always, uh, yes, always. That's- that's one of my notes. All of the yeah. women are unable to stand naturally. Yeah, look at page 119. That one was, was the dresses? 
Yeah, I've got that one too. That's yeah, my that's next one. Note. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, going But look on page 119, panel two. Um, for some reason, Psylocke's uh, battle swimsuit in the Jim Lee era becomes a thong. And he loves to draw her from behind. Yeah. We don't need that. You know? It's like when and, that thing was happening, Psylocke come out with a swimming pool in her bathing suit. Yeah, didn't need that. Yeah. And you mentioned like on the previous page. Well, um, they're getting ready to go on this mission, and they were going out for dinner. Look at Jean Grey, how Jean Grey is sitting there. No Page woman sits like that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, and Storm. Look at how Storm is standing. There's Her her spine cannot do that. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I just, I hate that. At least, at least he doesn't sexualize Jubilee. I'll give Jubilee, him that. Say, yeah, yeah. The, one, the one teenage girl, he doesn't sexualize her. I'll give him that. But man, <laughs> it's like he's drawing those terrible, like, 90s, like, comic book, you know, swimsuit issues they used to put out. Except it's just the issues. <laughs> it's not even the separate thing that's terrible. Um, and uh, I will give him, uh, Josh, just, you had another pick. Do you want to go next? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I didn't have a lot of notes on the art. Uh Sam, I'll, I'll go on the back with you. I think the ink is really good. The lines are good. The the all the structures look good. The backgrounds are solid. Uh, just, I mean, all like you said, the faces are the same. Uh, the colors good. Very bright. Uh, the colors really outstanding. Uh, the women, Jamie, that was my one that picked. My other one. Everybody is in insane physical condition. Everyone's <laughs> mutant power is being at the peak physical condition of a human. Uh, and Magneto, he's supposed to, he's, it's in the 90s. He survived the Holocaust. He's got to be 60, 70 years old. He looks like he's 20. No, no, no. Remember that baby face? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got reborn. Yeah. yeah but he's got the gray up. hair still. Like, I want to make Magneto old. We'll give him silver hair. Now he's up. And he looks exactly like Cyclops. Nope. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Nope. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Don't think. It's, 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 he went to Ashford M and started doing crunches. That's all he does on Ashford M is do crunches. <laughs> I believe it. But like when they're playing basketball, you got, you know, uh, Gambit and Wolverine out there. Like, nobody's that muscular. They, they've got twice as many muscles as a normal human. Not size, just quantity of muscle. In their back, there are way too many ripples in their back. Or their legs. Shouldn't be that lumpy. Yeah, Gambit does have a six-pack. He's got like a 16-pack. Yeah. I get it. They're supposed to be, you know, superheroes and you want them to be, you know, in good physical condition. But I think we surpassed a, a point where it was realistic or not even. It was, it was just human. It was the 90s. Just, human anatomy doesn't work that way. It was the 90s. Everything was extreme yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. But everything was done good. Technically, the art was good. Yeah. It's just, you know, like you said, some of the poses and the, and the anatomy just was really Did not you great. Know? Another one that you talking about there being too much of stuff. Did you notice the teeth? Everybody's got like seventy-five teeth. Yeah. <laughs> That's better than white blob Josh was complaining about before. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think me and Josh were both annoyed by that in the, uh, the last one, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, whenever somebody's doing this like you know angry thing with their face, oh, there's yeah. like you know seventy-five teeth on top and like seventy-five more on the bottom. It's like this huge. I'm like nobody has that many teeth. And it sometimes looked like the teeth were connected. Like there, I don't know if it was supposed to be lines of spittle or something, but it looked like, yeah. you know, yeah, it looked really not normal. But, but I, I do. Go ahead, Sam. 
Yeah. So the only thing I, I got to add is I think this is the best Archangel I've ever seen. I love yeah. the detail in the wings, his yeah. suits, everything about Archangel. Just every time you see him, he's popping off. He, he I think he steals every panel he's in. Have you seen the fire wings that Young Angel had? Yeah. I thought those were pretty cool. But, I mean, th- these are the best-looking angel wings that they've, they've, yeah. X-Men have ever, ever had. And on that note, I want to say that um, – I'll brag on I know I've nitpicked there, but I, you know what? The sexualized posing stuff, that's not a nitpick. That's a problem. I, I really don't like that. Um, but um, I'll give him this. Once I've seen Jim Lee draw the Beast, I don't want anybody else to ever do it again. Yeah. I mean, he draws the best Beast that's ever been drawn. Nobody's ever done it anywhere near the way Jim Lee drew the Beast since. Uh, if you look at page 46.5 um, – <laughs> That's the best. Uh, that's, I, I do point five for the panel thing. It's the fifth panel. Yeah. I was, I was just, just like forty six and a half. How do you do that? That's that's just that's how I know what panel I'm talking about. So it's that's the fifth panel, page forty six. That's the coolest beast panel I've ever seen. Yeah. Nobody yeah. else should be allowed to draw the beast. Now I'm gonna ask you a question because Wolverine and the one guy from the Upstarts, their hair is so black that it's actually blue. Is Beast black or blue in this? <laughs> All the black hair in this thing is as blue as Beast is. <laughs> um, if I remember right, this was because of the paper they used to use. Yeah. Black, black didn't show up well, so they would kind of blue things up to make black stand out. Some. Yeah, they have like black highlights and then everything. Yeah. Blue. I think it's because of the cheap paper they used to use. That's why they used to do that. But Be- Beast is actually blue. Yeah, shoot over <laughs> to page 39. That's pretty close to it. Look at page 39. Uh, the one guy from the Upstart, his jacket is actually black, but then everything else that's supposed to be black on that page is uh, really blue. Yeah. So they yeah. can do black. <laughs> yeah, this is before um, Jim Lee left for Image, and Image started using that nicer paper, mm. and then everybody else kind of had to in response, and so now they can do more, like, better color stuff because of the paper. But, gotcha. Yeah. It's um, my favorite uh, Wolverine suit, too. Yeah. I like the I like the yellow and blue. I like this one personally. Yeah, I like them both. I don't really think I don't think I have a favorite. I like, like them both. But. I, I got the points on his boots and his the thing on his face, all that stuff. His yeah. mask. I just, I just like the whole the whole look of it. All right, I've got this is this something a little little tick that Jim Lee has that makes me laugh. Um, go to page fifty five. And then Sam, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but you'll you'll see it from now on when you read Jim Lee stuff. Whenever somebody has a cape, they have to hold it hold when it, Jim yeah. Lee draws them. <laughs> look look at page fifty five. Look how many people are holding their capes. Yeah. Everybody. Some of them are two fisting their capes. Oh yeah, they really are. <laughs> I remember this. Thing. I remember Magneto holding it, thinking, "Wow, he's got to hold his cape. <laughs> there must yeah. be a lot of wind in space." Everybody. <laughs> it's, Double fist in the, I mean, it's crazy. But you'll look at his Batman stuff. Batman and Superman are always holding their capes. I don't know why he's got to think about it. Like, he doesn't like them free-flowing or something. I don't know. Yeah. It, it becomes an ingrained habit when you're a superhero that can fly with a cape. You don't want it getting caught in jet engines, propellers. You have to be aware of the cape. It just becomes second nature to hold the ends up so you're not getting snagged. That's pretty good. Uh, all right. We already mentioned my other... Um, uh, there's a couple of little things. They were just really 90s things. And some of it was just Jim Lee ticks, you know, like little things that make me, you know, chuckle. But go to page 45.4. Josh, you already mentioned this one. Um, it's the uh, first time we see Nick Cage. Yeah. Here. 
<laughs> it's so good. He's got, I mean, Cable doesn't have that many pouches and, you know, ammunition, you know, oh, yeah. things nah. on him. Yeah. He looks like he's got a Gambit's little head mask that doesn't cover your face, just your sideburns and forehead. Got a very mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, he's supposed to be the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. You should be in an office somewhere. You should be in a suit. (laughs) You're the director. I think the guys in the 90s didn't like the old school S.H.I.E.L.D. outfits where you had like the blue bodysuit thing. Yeah. With like the one gun. Because like whenever Liefeld would draw like the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys, like they'd be loaded up with stuff like that. I think something like some some of the 90s, they didn't like the old school S.H.I.E.L.D. outfits. So they just covered them up with pouches. I think I think Lyfer would look at that pal and go, "Man, nah, maybe it's a pouch too many." <laughs> <laughs> or is he just applaud? He just gives the slow clap, <laughs> the slow clap with a smile on his face, like nailed it. <laughs> I was, I was I fucking top that shield, smoke. I mean, we saw where this went. They were on an asteroid, then they were in Russia. You never know where you're going to end up when you're in Shield, so you just have to be ready at literally any second for anything. You just carry everything you could ever need with you. All right. Well, I mean, we can move on, but I, I, I did. Sam was bragging on the art, like in the uh, Omega Red stuff. I felt like, and you were bragging on the inking too, Josh. I, I think that some of that felt kind of rushed toward the end. Um, yes. Scott Scott Williams is a good inker, and I, I'm I'm betting when Jim Lee gave him enough time, that's when the, that's when it looked great. Yeah. When Jim Lee, sorry, when Jim Lee didn't didn't give him enough time, it's that's when it looked rushed. And I think there was a couple yeah. places the coloring was bad, like the coloring that like, was outside the lines and. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was just the 90s style. No, I think I think it's Jim Lee giving him like, you know, here's here's 22 pages. You know, you've got a day to finish this. Have fun. <laughs> Look, yeah. Have fun not sleeping tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on the art, guys? No. No. Uh, okay, let's move on to characters. I'll lead us off, but I, I will say that art probably was the high point. Yeah, I was um, going to say that was the best part of the pyramid. Yeah. That was the foundation stone. Yeah, they got it up to a Keaton. Um, so for the characters, I think in the Claremont issues, there's some really interesting stuff going on with Magneto. The Magneto storyline's good. Um, the Moira stuff is terrible. Um, that's just a weird story angle, like, you know, storyline that just didn't really make sense and didn't wasn't necessary. And kind of made me think that maybe Jim Lee didn't like Moira and Banshee and just wanted him out of his book. Yeah. He's <laughs> trying to write him out. Um but and I, I didn't enjoy the like the like with some of the characters you could feel like you know Jim Lee was taking people in directions that you know Claremont didn't want him to and so it was this it made this character stuff like wonky um and I think that Jim Lee wasn't as good as Claremont as writing a big cast because you, as you can tell like as soon as Claremont's gone like it's just a handful of X-Men um it's yeah. not the big cast anymore and the upstarts were dumb. I didn't like them. I've never liked the upstarts, especially Fenders. They're just creepy. Um, yeah. Who who who's the family in Game of Thrones that um, does inappropriate things together? Lannisters. Lannisters. Yeah. I think that's a Fenders thing too. Yeah. I think um, so. Yeah. I would buy that. <laughs> it's yeah. I'd, it's yeah. Some Joe Dirt stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it was. I definitely got a creepy vibe off of them. Um, but there's just not a lot of character stuff going on outside of Magneto. 
there wasn't much. I think he tried with Wolverine. Uh, he tried Wolverine, yep. But I, it was clumsy, and I, I didn't enjoy it that much. As far as the character stuff, I didn't really if I could add anything to Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the real flaw with the way Jim Lee does is he picks favorites and ignores everybody else. And so, yeah. I mean, like you could tell that once Claremont was gone, it's like, yep, Wolverine, Psylocke, and he want are his favorites, and he really desperately wants Maverick to be a thing. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, Wolverine and Sock were the only ones he cared about. Yeah. And so that's pretty much my notes. And what I what I wrote down was the first three issues. I feel like the characters were really good. All of them had some depth. I mean, even all the X Men that had some story had stuff going on with them. And then from four to seven, it's all Wolverine about him and Omega Red. What's going on with them? And then, really, there was, like you said, Psylocke had, had a little bit, but not as much as Wolverine. But other than that, there was no character <laughs> development at all. Nothing happened. It's there. Yeah, Psylocke I think he mostly likes of, drawing Psylocke. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, she had a lot of panel time, but she wasn't really <laughs> doing anything. I mean, she was just occupying space on a page. She didn't... Yeah. Yeah. That's that's I think we all had the exact same notes. I put all the characters are pretty two two dimensional except Magneto and maybe Wolverine. I mean Wolverine, that yeah. you tried to give him a backstory, but like you said, it was so clunky and just not followed through. It wasn't finished well with with like trying to get the flashbacks and kind of some history to Wolverine. It just it didn't work. Yeah, for me at all, anyways. And then uh, I got a question too on the characters. Omega Red. He has a death factor instead of a healing factor. Does that mean it's killing him and he's got to have that seed thing to live? Or can he cause just random death in other people? Does he steal their life force to stay alive? Like I, I had no idea what was going on with the Mega Red. See, I think that evolved as the the issues went through. It didn't make sense. It wasn't like that. They had to have, was it 20 people sacrificed to bring him back to life? And after right. that, they sent us notes about needing a death factor yeah. or thing, whatever. And then towards the end, when they brought that season sizer in, that's when the death factor come in. So they had to have a reason, like James said in the flashback, for to have the flashback. You know, <laughs> during the flashback, they have a reason to have the flashback. So they right. this up. And when they make it up, oh, yeah, well, we need this to keep him alive, so we're going to make this death factor thing. But I thought at one point he was trying to use his death factor to steal life force from somebody else in Psylocke had used her telekinetic, telepathic ability to make him think he was using his death factor when he really wasn't, so he got weak. So it made me think he had his, his death factor worked on him. It killed him, but he could siphon off of other people. Yeah, That was that, the impression how, I got. That's how it boiled down to at the end. That's that's what it evolved that, into. Yeah, that was, that was the final product. <laughs> yeah, that was the final product. At the beginning, he, he let off uh, hormones, is what he said, and made people sick. It wasn't a death factor at that point. In the very beginning, when he, like when he first kidnapped him, that's what he said. He's releasing hormones. And he's sick. He said, "You won't be awake much longer." That's all it was. Yeah. It was making people sick till they passed out. Uh, then, like I said, it evolved into that. And then he had some kind of different form of adamantium that was malleable. Yeah, carbonadium. Oh yeah. Has yeah. that ever been a thing in in this Marvel besides no. Omega Red? I no. Have no idea. <laughs> it was really. Yeah, I did not care for Omega Red. Jim Lee made him look cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, the powers in the story didn't make any sense, but it looked cool. Yeah, and apparently yeah. he went toe-to-toe with Wolverine for 17 hours straight. That's a pretty <laughs> good fight. That's yeah, actually, pretty tough. Because next time I show him, he's like in this little X thing like held up. Was that like something in or did that actually happen? 
if you notice, when, like, when they're doing the thing, it looks like they're watching a, a, a TV screen. And the, I think and the that doctor, was his memories, like, wasn't it? When they were... Stop it now. Well, see, I think that was when um, John Byrne was helping. I think they were manipulating all of his memories, like even what yeah. he was experiencing at the moment. And then yeah. once Scott, Scott Lobdell came back, they weren't doing that. It was just the flashbacks that they were yeah. mining to try to find where he put the seats at the house. I, th- I think that changed. I think see, at the point... I, I took it that they were, since they'd resurrected Omega Red, they were using him as like a camera. They were watching what was going on, and they maybe had some kind of control over him. Like, do we need to stop Omega Red before he kills him all the way or something? And they were like watching it through like a CCTV or something <laughs> and had some kind of control over him. That was the vibe I was getting from it. But then in the last two issues, that there's that scientist guy who apparently yeah. was part of the Weapon X project. They slipped that in at the very end. Yeah. yeah. Um, they picked, a, yeah. picked a weird time to develop some morals. He's torturing Wolverine for, you know, who knows how long. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> so, yeah. I won't kill him. <laughs> yeah, the story was so confusing. We're in the character section, and we're still making fun of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I meant to ask about just Omega Red's death factor, because I didn't understand. Yeah. That, but I got on a tangent there. No, I mean, Omega Red is one of those guys that just looks cool. And, like, if you just, like, let it be a big picture, what his, what his power does, like, he steals people's life forces. If you don't think harder about that, he's kind of a cool character. When you start thinking about how it works and how it's been written, it doesn't make any sense, and it's kind of dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, character section. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. All right, guys, let's get out some awards. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? All right, best cover. I think uh, Sam already made fun of it. Go to page 148. It's issue seven. I know it's the same face, and he just drew a line down it. I know that. I know there's too many teeth. I know they're not the right teeth. People have incisors. They don't have that same you know, identical tooth for every tooth. But I just, it looks cool, man. Uh, <laughs> That's the same person. I, I just like it. Yeah, That's it the is. same one I picked. Okay, it just looks cool. Yeah. I done it to be a little bit cheeky, but I thought it was good. I like how Logan's mutton chops and Omega Red's chin strap block the same part. It's like you can't draw cheeks or a jawline, so he covers it with something. Like it's kind of, the same part of his face is covered just with different things. Yeah. Right, y'all, both y'all have the wrong answer. Right okay. here is. Uh, it, uh, issue one, page four, the big fold out one, it's the four pages. Yeah. It's on uh, oh. is this well, that's one that's four covers. <laughs> it's four covers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I love how the X-Men's like in the stone and you have all all the X-Men on it. And, it, and every one of them has done so well. You got like Magneto and Cyclops' thing. But yeah, even looking at the uh look at Psylocke and Rose. <clears throat> pose as they're yeah. standing there yeah it's everywhere yeah. uh sam my yes. backup was uh the issue one but the uh graphic novel cover where the background is black and you've just got the uh you've got wolverine cyclops and Iceman. that was my backup i thought that one was cool with the black background yeah then you that's, focused actually, on the characters. that's the same one as page three without the x-men thing yeah yeah all right that's Sam may have won, but he also cheated. 
<laughs> well, yeah, four-page spread. Normally, a two-page spread is a shit you double that. Well, when this was originally released in the nineties, each one of those covers it shows it was an individual comic, and then they, you could put them all together. And at least one had all four of them on it. So how many did you like? have? All of them. I have them all still. I had two of them. I got, I got all five of those. I got the one that's got all four of them on it, and then I got all the individual ones. So technically, Sam just picked issue one, just four different <laughs> times. Yes, exactly. And that's why that X Men number one is the greatest selling comic book of all time, because people like Sam bought five copies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Totally worth it. I bought two. <laughs> all right, uh, Sam, who's your best character? Now and there is a right answer. There is a right answer, but I don't think I have it. I, I picked okay. Magneto. I really enjoyed. I can see how he struggled his whole life. He had all this bad stuff done to him. And then he's like, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to go to space. Y'all leave me alone. I'm done. And then they bring it back to him. I could see him being mad. You know what? I just want to end it all. Yeah. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The way you said that, I was already picturing Cartman in Magneto's outfit. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I, I could really. I could sympathize with him. You know, I felt bad for the guy. He, he really was like, I'm just done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then all this happens to him. Like, I could, you know, if I was in his shoes, yeah, I could see me doing the same thing. Well, yeah. I think that is the right answer too. I've got, yeah. I think, I think outside of Magneto, every other single person just feels like Jim Lee's got his action figures out playing with him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the best description for this graphic novel that we've come with so far. <laughs> just playing with his toys. <laughs> Making up a story that doesn't make sense as he goes. Because he saw, oh, I left Omega Red over here on the table. Let me go grab him real quick. And he just throws him in. No rhyme or reason to it. Just. All right. So, my best character was Magneto uh, as well. Sam, I'm like you. I felt for him. I could have. Yeah. yeah, I completely understood where he's coming from. This was my cheat because I felt like this was two separate graphic novels. Magneto <laughs> for the first graphic novel. Wolverine for the second graphic novel. Yeah. Wolverine would have been the backup for that. That's what I got to. Yeah. And I think I think Jim Lee would pick uh, Psylocke's swimsuit. <laughs> That's his favorite character. <laughs> All right, Josh, what's your, what's your best panel? Best panel. We're going to go over to page 163. Oh, close but wrong. It is Wolverine uh, finally breaking his arms free from the uh, containment that was holding him. And uh, he's got those insane amount of uh, muscles in his back. And he's got the really menacing face. And he's got, I think he's only got 70 teeth in that one, Jamie. Uh, (laughs) I just like it. It it I thought it was cool. Uh, that's close. So what, what were they going to flip over two pages to page 165? And it's the uh, the X-Men gathered pose with Maverick yeah. for some reason. But it's uh, the X-Men plus Maverick. They just look cool. They look super, like, really, like, heroic in that panel. And I'm a Cyclops. I'm, the, like, the world's lone Cyclops fan. And so I, I like when Cyclops is front and center. Yeah, I like yeah. Cyclops. Yeah. Where, where are those muscles beside his chest muscle under his arm? He's got abs he, in his armpit. <laughs> uh, he does special planks to develop those. Okay. okay. Yeah. Right, well, I picked page 71, <laughs> panel 5. Okay. It's Wolverine. There. Oh, yeah. Yeah, looks- that's a good one. That no, was my backup. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, uh, I liked uh, one of the ones I was going to pick was, uh, and I didn't write it down. I did, but I've erased it already. It's when uh, Wolverine's doing his uh, classic two claws out beside somebody's face, <laughs> threatening to throw the third claw out. I really wanted to pick that, but Wolverine wasn't even in it. It was just some guy's face, and I was like, nah, I was like, I can't pick that. But that's that was really cool seeing that. Hey, Josh, on your page 163, later on, um, go on the Comicsology and look up something called The Max. Okay. The the cover of Max number one is this world weird purple guy doing that exact pose. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's exactly the same. All right, I'll check it out. Um, all right, so for best dialogue, you're going to go to page 83. And if we all don't have the same answer, you're wrong. And it's basically Claremont saying goodbye. It's not, it's not so much anybody like X-Men actually talking. It's just Chris Claremont saying goodbye to the X-Men. And he says, um, like Magneto, we have made choices in our lives. We have taken our stand for what we believe in. We were both haunted men, him by a nightmare, me by a dream. Time will tell which of us was right. His choice was ever fueled by rage, tainted by the despair that scars his soul. As ours, I pray, will be sustained by hope. And he goes on. Um, I just, I lo- it's, it's like Claremont saying goodbye to this thing he's yeah. written for. He wrote for like 18 years. He wrote from the 18th, yeah. something like that. I'm bad at math, but um, it was like him saying goodbye. And yeah. And it was really moving, and it's the last good writing left in this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, uh, Sam, what was your best dialogue? Yeah, mine was close to that. Mine was page 81 through 82, when Magneto first started talking about that. Yeah. And, uh, where'd I got it at? It's when Rogue tells Professor X, like, you're both speaking English, but you're uh, talking different languages. And it, it goes on, like I said, it continues all the way up to 83, but I love that whole thing. When he's trying to talk him off the ledge and all stuff, Magnus made his mind up and it's over. Yeah, I, I, those are the two I, I was really torn between the the yeah. Magneto speech or the or the or the X Men speech at the end, which I think it was Chris Rex most of the time. I think it, I think the balloons point at different people strangely, <laughs> but it's pretty much Chris Rex talking. But uh, Josh, what was your best dialogue? Well, you guys had the right answer. I didn't. Uh, there was so much dialogue. I had forgotten a lot of the dialogue in the beginning. So my dialogue's from the end. That was the last thing I read. Uh, and I actually uh, kind of copied off my best uh, panel because it's the what he's saying during those panels. He says, you mean to tell me a mutant healing factor, 300 pounds of adamantium uh, and claws, countless hours of training, and you got the nerve to call that nothing? Because they said nothing's going to stop us now, and it's him, and then he busts out of it. So I just thought that was kind of cool, Wolverine, just being his grumpy self. But you guys had the right answer. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the final with Magneto was the best. Yeah. All right. And th- those are our four um, standards. We do those every time because I, I think you have to. I think there's you know, central elements to you know things that people love about you know the medium, but. Yeah. We always do two graphic novel specifics, and these are very specific to this era and to this artist. And so the first one is best 90s nuttiness. So, Sam, what was the most 90s extreme, extreme crazy thing in here? What was most fueled by Mountain Dew in this graphic novel? (laughs) (laughs) There was so much in there, and what I picked wasn't what I would say the nuttiest thing is, but what I thought was the most visual thing. So it was page... uh, 109, when Forge was hooked up to the uh, Cerebro, and all the wires and stuff <laughs> yeah. you know, going to him, just to be hooked up to a computer. You know, yeah. I just thought that was 
that's nineties. Yep. Yeah, it's not it's not a mouse and a keyboard. It's got like forty seven, you know, cables into his brain. <laughs> things over his ears or one eye, got the thing on his hands, yeah. half robotic legs, like yeah. waist yeah. down. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a good one. Uh Josh, what was yours? All right, my best nineties notice. It wasn't one single thing. It was all of the dialogue and having to constantly verbalize what you're doing. <laughs> I'm going to use my psychic powers to make a knife and stab you in the face. And then she stabs me in the face like Sally. I'm like, why do you have to say everything you're doing? Like That was such a 90s thing to me, like watching the cartoons and stuff. Everybody was just saying what they're doing. Oh, yes. now I'm going to jump from behind and punch you in the head. And it's like, why would you say that before you do it? <laughs> you're just telling everybody what's going on. I thought that was very 90s. <laughs> You, you don't live your life that way? You don't self-narrate <laughs> not, your entire... Not, not normally. Not out loud, anyways. <laughs> uh, well, mine is something that happens um, constantly, but the example I'm going to go with is on page 160. And it's um, the way Psylocke is drawn. Um, so look at page 160. Uh, number one, you can't... The human spine and torso won't let you show your front parts and your back parts at the same time. That happens a lot in 90s comic books. She's a mutant. That's her mutant power. Also, um, compare her waist to her thigh. Yeah. Her thigh's bigger than her waist. Yeah. Considerably. Yeah. That's not a thing humans have. I think her femur (laughs) is longer than her head, neck, and torso. That was my next point. She, <laughs> yeah. She's about 75% legs. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> yeah. And that's a 90s thing, man. It's just, I almost yeah. picked like the girl Fenris's outfits. You see her in that Psylocke picture too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, just the way Psylocke is drawn. That's, I mean, you'll occasionally see an artist do that now, but that was all over the 90s. Let's, uh, let's go back to page 109 uh, to the uh, Forge and the Magneto. The third panel is Psylocke in her bikini. <laughs> anyway, look at the next panel. It's like a mirror image. She's the exact same pose. It's just her hips are thrown the other way. Like that's the only pose he knew how to draw her in. That's the same one we were just looking at. Yep. In one pose. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, Josh. Uh, if Jim Lee is known for anything, it's for his superhero poses. And so, Josh, what is your best Jim Lee superhero pose? Well, it's one you called out earlier for one of your uh, things you like to call out. It's page 55. It's Magneto holding his cape. (laughs) Not only is it Magneto doing the superhero pose, I think there's about 13 other characters in the background that are all doing the superhero pose at the exact same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's everybody holding their capes, looking majestic (laughs) and intense. Magneto's got a a sun behind his head like he's got a halo (laughs) or something. (laughs) Uh, yeah, that, that I picked that too. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he's posing so hard, he's posing his wig off. I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's crazy. I almost picked your best panel with Magneto and Beast and uh, with Gambit was in it. Yeah. All right, say what was yours. I had the same one as Josh. Okay, I went with page 42. It's really? Magneto. I thought you were going to take one of the Wolverine ones. Well, I, I, I had him as a backup. But this one is, page 42, it's Magneto standing there, kind of, in his little pose, but then all the X-Men surrounding him doing a pose. Yeah, that, that's a full-on pose-off. Yeah, that's a pose-off. <laughs> yeah. that and, and then for my uh, Wolverine pose, it's on page 104. 
I think that's what I thought you were going to pick. Yeah. That's one that's got Beast in it, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good That's one. his classic Wolverine pose. Yeah. Man, he's so good at drawing Beast, man. I wish they would draw him like that instead of that crazy cat Beast they draw now. Yeah. Oh, I hate the cat Beast. I do, too. All right, guys. Ready to cast this thing? Let's do it. <laughs> Josh is not happy. No, All right. Sam, who is your uh, Professor X? I've used him before. No, I don't think I've used this guy. I went with Mark Strong. If you go from picture to picture, you'd think they draw Mark Strong. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah, I think it's really good. I can see that. Way better than mine. If you yeah, me Google, too. <laughs> Google Mark Strong, and the first image that pops up is Professor X. Oh, I yeah. Want, I yeah, don't want to say mine now. Let's, let's skip right on over to Magneto. I'm cool with that. Also, I got the right answer? All right. Yeah, yeah you that's win. great. Wow. That's perfect. Somebody call Disney. <laughs> Make that happen. Yep. Yeah, I'm not saying mine now. That's too good. Sam, you win. I'll take it. That's never right. happened before. <laughs> I like I'll it. tell you guys off air what mine was because it might be my second Bushimi pick, and I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to voice it on air, so we'll All right. save that for later. All right. Well, Josh, who's your Magneto? Magneto. This might be a little bit on the nose because uh, I'm taking a character that's played two quote unquote villains and combined them. I'm doing Josh Brolin, Thanos, and Cable. Put them together, you got Magneto. You know, that's the face Jim Lee draws. He always draws Josh Brolin's face. He does. That's why I was thinking. I, was like, I mean, he would just fit right in there. He's got that classic '90s face. So, yeah. Josh yeah, it's not bad. Well, if Jim Lee, if it's based on a Jim Lee story, he could be Batman or Superman or anybody. Yeah. He's, he's he could he's be Nick the, Fury in this one. <laughs> absolutely. He's the he's the Jim Lee male. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, I, I went with, um, based on the character of Magneto in this one, I went with, like, he's kind of got the angry nobility thing going on. Um, he's probably not a good guy, but there's also, like, a nobility about him. You know, I can understand, like, his motivations. And so I went with Mel Gibson. Um, yeah. And I think he, he can kind of do that. If you think about, like, the character he played in Ransom, where you understood where he was coming from, but also he wasn't really being a good guy. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think Mel gets to be good at that. It's not bad. Let's see that. All right. All right. So for Magneto, I went for looks. Hey, looked in the '90s. So if you go back to like uh, maybe in the '80s, Dirty Harry, uh, like uh, Josie Wells, Clint Eastwood. If you look at his face, then to how he he's in movies now, he's an old grumpy dude. That's take that attitude with the way he looked then. He's never done enough crunches to be Magneto. Yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> hey, when you're in a... Hey, he a was in pretty good movie. shape in any which way but loose. I mean, he was... He's, for a while there, he was he was not too bad. <laughs> so, but yeah, really, if you look at Clint Eastwood with the little stubble and stuff from the 80s, that looks just like Magneto. I, even, like, I had my tablet up and my phone up googled it and i was like yeah that's, uh, that's yeah. I, I buy that i like clint eastwood he's a, he's a good actor uh, yeah. and, and jamie to your point nobody's going to be in the shape that they could play a <laughs> character from the 90s nobody's yeah, got no. the musculature for it well i mean you think back like to lethal weapon where we saw too much of mel gibson's you know body he was in pretty good shape back then yes yeah. now that now that i think about it didn't Mel gibson get in trouble a few years ago for making anti-semitic comments yeah 
Yeah, yeah. So maybe we shouldn't cast him as a Holocaust survivor. So maybe, uh, maybe I was gonna let that lie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm, I think I'm retracting mine. Yeah, I think I'll, I'm gonna take Josh Brolin for the victory on that one. I think you did. I think you won that one. I think Clint Eastwood's a good one. Yeah, fair time. I think it, I think if Mel Gibson um, was a better person, he'd be a good pick. So <laughs> we're two into our cast, Jamie. You can't even pick anybody yet. You haven't even had two viable cast members yet. <laughs> He's got to withdraw. Well, let's see if I can let's see if I can save myself on the next one. So I'm gonna go for some Wolverine, and I'm going with Tom Hardy, um, the Mad Max version of Tom Hardy. Yeah, that's the right answer. That's who I have. He's he's a little bitty guy. He's tough. Looks and, he's got crazy eyes. And he can pack on the muscle. I've seen him in his yeah. bane and other yeah. stuff. Yeah. That was who I wanted to pick, but I thought I may have picked him for Wolverine before, so I had to go with somebody <laughs> else. I went with uh, Jack Courtney, uh, Captain Boomerang from Suicide Squad. He was the bad guy in uh, uh, Tom Cruise movie. Which one was it? Uh, Jack Reacher. Yeah. Jack yeah, he Reacher. was the main bad guy, one of the bad guys in Jack Reacher. Yeah. He can do okay. that intense craziness, and uh, he, yeah. he, can, he can get in pretty good shape, so I thought he was a pretty good pick. Same. Who's your Wolverine this time? Tom Hardy. I agree with you. Oh, okay. All right. I think I think one of us cheated. I think somebody has picked Tom Hardy for Wolverine before. Josh did. I went through my notes. Josh did. Oh, was it me? I, I thought I had. I played it right. I wasn't sure. I knew somebody had. I thought it was me. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Sam, who's your Gambit? Well, for Gambit, it's the one I struggled with most. And I went with, for looks alone, Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper's a good actor, though. Yeah. So if you take him from, like, the 18, same kind of hair, same kind of... I don't know what you're talking about. I blocked that movie out of my memory. Well, yes. <laughs> well, you should. And, and he was he was doing that one, too, so... Yeah. Now, he can get in good shape. Remember that um, uh, Sniper movie he was in? Yeah. He got pretty big for that one, too. Yeah, American Sniper. Yeah. Yeah, he... he right, Josh... He packed on some muscle for that, for sure. Yeah. Who's your game? All right, so have we got our search engines up? This is my off-the-wall pick. Everybody <laughs> scramble and get ready. Uh, I, I, I can't even say I cheated a little bit on this one. I full-on cheated. I Googled good actors for Gambit, and I came up with somebody. Uh, his name's Gaspard Yuliel. <laughs> he's, he's a French actor, uh, but he's been in some American movies. He's in the uh, Hannibal Lecter TV show. He oh, he looks Hannibal. Smart. Oh, he looks just like it. And he's French, oh, yeah. so he's going to do the accent really well. He uh, even has those weird, inhuman gambit eyes. Yeah, so I thought he was really good. I haven't watched that Hannibal show, so I'm not sure what kind of actor he is. But we all know Gambit's a side character, so you don't have to be the greatest actor <laughs> in the world for him. What was the name again? Gaspard, G-A-S-P-A-R-D. And I don't know if it's Uliel or Uliel, because it's French, but it's U L L. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, somebody else got, got, got to butcher her name this episode. Oh, yeah. No, that was terrible. I knew it was. I tried not to say it more than <laughs> one. Sam baby. It's, it's usually me on the creator credits butchering names. <laughs> but that was a full-on cheat. Google told me that answer, and I took it because I thought it was the right answer. Or a good he one he absolutely looks like... I mean, if he can act at all, he's probably the right answer. Um, so I went with a guy just based on his, uh, his um, skills at being skeevy. I went with Colin Farrell. Yeah. <laughs> He's good at being slimy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not bad. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. Those were all Josh, relatively solid. Yeah, that's probably our strongest one. 
like as far as the three of us all picking. That's, that's good options for the real producers. Uh, Josh, who's your rogue? Rogue? Uh, I struggled with this one a little bit, uh, but I'm thinking Lauren Cohen. She plays Maggie on The Walking Dead. That's good. You'd have to get her a wig because she does not have red hair. Uh, and she's British, but she does the country accent really well. Uh, I think I think she would be able to pull that off. No, that's a good one. I, I'm, I'm going to go next guy to the same thing. I cast a British lady. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about it, but she already did it. I cast Emily Blunt. I knew it. Yeah, that's yeah. Going with. Yeah. I think she did a good job. Yeah. All right, same. Yeah. Well, I'm one of our favorites. I, I cast uh, Scarlett Johansson. I think she looks the part. We know she's a great actress, so yeah. she's got the red hair. So It's almost never a bad idea to cast yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Stuff. She's just really good. It's hard to get, I mean, I, I'll never be mad at you for casting Scarlett Johansson. I mean, yeah, I, I think she'd be perfect for it. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm first on Omega Red. Um, I, went, I went easy on this one. Big Jack, dude. Angry. Threatening. Straw Butler. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I just used him last week or I would have picked him. What's that? I, said, I used him last week or I would have used him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He's on my short list. <laughs> yeah. All right. uh, who'd you actually pick? So I, I picked a big burly dude that plays Angry really well. Henry Cavell. Superman himself. Yeah. Yeah. I watched him in the Mission Impossible. He's the hammer. I mean, dude, it was awesome. Yep. All right, Josh. All right, so this one, I was trying to be funny. I'm thinking this is a 90s comic. We need a big, blonde, muscular Russian dude. I'm time machine in Dolph Lundgren. I'm like Rocky. (laughs) (laughs) That's my Omega Red. Yeah, he can do it. Taken from Rocky. Yeah, from Rocky. He was in shape. He's big, tall. He can be intimidating. I liked it. All right. And so we normally do six people for our cast um, because, you know, we know we're you're listening to us and uh, we want to respect your time commitments. But we felt like we couldn't leave Psylocke off because she's clearly Jim Lee's favorite person to draw in the history of him drawing people um, from a variety of angles, but nearly always in the same pose with one hip stuck out. Um so we're going to add Psylocke on for this week. So, Sam, who was your Psylocke? I did not have a good Psylocke. So me and my wife went round and round on this one because she wanted to help me. And she picked Rumor Willis. Need to Google her. That's Bruce Willis's daughter. Is she aware that uh, Psylocke is Japanese? Yes. That this was her pick. And I was not fighting her. Probably smart. But if you if some of her her pictures I and mean, she looks the part, yeah, they don't always draw her, you know, super, yeah. you know, accurate for ethnicity. But if you find a dark haired picture of her, kind of yeah, no, I, I, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, if we're you know gonna, I yeah. know what I know, I know what blackface is. I'm not sure what you call it for a Japanese person. <laughs> <laughs> Do something terribly inappropriate to her face to make it work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a bad one. Um, I've got two not good ones. I've got a time machine one and a modern one that's not very good. So I'm going to give my time machine one. I'm with Lucy Lou. Yeah, that'd work. Yeah, she's. 
I'm not sure what her or her, like her you know ancestry is, but she is of some Asian descent. And I've seen Kill Bill. She can fight with a sword. She can. Uh, I think that's Kill Bill, right? Yes. I've seen yeah. Her. Okay. Yeah. Um, Josh gave me a funny look. I was afraid I was picturing the wrong movie. I, I, but, I, I, uh, that doesn't seem like your type of movie. <laughs> it's the only Tarantino movie I like. Yeah, I'm not a big Tarantino fan. I'll say it. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, you know, I'm going to give my other one. Um, I, I went with a lady named King Yi. It's Q-U-I-N-G. No, no, no U. Just Q-I-N-G. I just threw the U in because I'm English. Um, we, we speak English. And then Y-E is her last name or first name. I think they put the first name's last for some reason. I don't know. She's from Man of Tai Chi. I just wanted to do an obscure Josh style pick and make y'all Google her. Hey, spell it. <laughs> Q-I-N-G-Y-E. She was, I saw her in Man of Tai Chi. She was an interesting actress. Man of Tai Was that Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Yeah, I've actually saw that. It's a fun movie. I think me and you yeah. were probably the only two that ever watched that, huh? <laughs> All both of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I see that. Yeah. All right, uh, Josh, who's yours? All right, so you want the right answer? Tell me. Yeah, I know I was wrong. Jamie Chung. Ah, uh, that sounds familiar. Can't believe you guys well, what, put, what? The, put the search engines up before I was done. Oh yeah, what, what, what yeah. do I know that name from? You cast her before, yeah, from Sucker Punch. I know, I, I know the name. I cast you. If you will, oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. If yeah. you will search Jamie Chung as, uh, there's a picture of her dressed as, uh, uh, what's her name? We just said it. The young one. Psylocke? No. Oh, from Sucker Punch. Jubilee? Yeah, Jubilee. There's a there's an image where she was, some, they did like some fan art with her in a Jubilee uh, costume. Yeah. Like in a... Apparently, she was in The Gifted, which was like an X-Men spinoff TV show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I, I don't know who I, that one I used the one I wanted to use for. Uh, okay. So, I used, I wanted to use the girl from X2. She played the Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. That's who I was thinking. Yeah. I don't remember her name. Kelly, yeah, that'd be good. I've passed her before. Yeah. Kelly used her name. H-U. Yeah. Yeah. That's who I thought Psylocke should be. That was my answer. Actually, I might have cast her on the last one on our uh, when we done uh, X Force. I think that's who I cast for Psylocke. Okay. Yeah. Sam, Sam hasn't cast her yet, so he could still. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I was just saying that's a good pick because I picked it before. Yeah. So the next time we cast Psylocke, I'll use her as my, my my pick. <laughs> I like it. It works. <laughs> All right, so that, that's our, our casting. It's, uh, done, we're done with our executive producer time. So now it's time for me to preview the next pick. And um, it's kind of a strange one. I think it's our first manga or manga. I've been told I pronounced that wrong. Um, it's Lone Wolf and Cub. And this is a Daredevil pick. Um, <laughs> it's blind. blind. I've never read it before. Um, I've I've just started it and I picked it because it's famous. I mean, it was one of like the first like you know full on Japanese mangas that got big. You know, here it's very influential. It's famous. I mean, I've never read it, but I've heard about it. I know about it from hearing people talk about it. I know a lot of the story from hearing people talk about it. Um, and so I just I'll, and also I thought it'd be fun for us to do a manga. We've never done one before. Yeah. Hey, same, same, same. 
It's all black and white. I don't know. <laughs> is it? it yes. Is. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't mind the black and white so much. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> I remember saying, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, so I'll, excited I'll, over there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right, guys. Let's, uh, we, we've run a little long here. Uh, probably, you know, bashing the story too much. But uh, I, th- I think we're done here, guys. Yeah, Salute. So. See ya. Later. <laughs>